everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. This is episode 95 as we dive into the Major League Baseball lockout. It's February 21st, 2022. It's President's Day. Happy President's Day to all of you guys. I'm not sure what people do to celebrate on President's Day other than not working. Uh, my son's middle name is Lincoln. Named after what I believe is our greatest president, who I believe is our greatest president, Abraham Lincoln. Tried to teach him that um, over the last couple of years. Look, he's only five. He doesn't really fully understand the whole idea of a president yet. Uh, But he does recognize our president on TV. He knows who our current president is. He knows who the former president was. So he does recognize that sort of stuff. So happy President's Day to you guys on this Monday. Great weather in Houston, Texas. Love it. Um, about 75, 78, 80 degrees. It's great. This is cool. Let's leave it like this, but it's going to get colder this weekend. Uh, down, back down into the 30s, 40s, and 50s, which is unfortunate. Uh, so the roller coaster on that front continues. But today, as I did mention, we will dive into the topic of the Major League Baseball lockout, the ongoing lockout, both sides, the owners and the players union meeting today down in Jupiter, Florida, at the home of the Cardinals and Marlins spring training sites. Um, No baseball being played, but meetings, labor negotiations going on. And my guest today will be Evan Drellick. He used to work for the Houston Chronicle. Now he's a senior baseball writer for The Athletic. Great writer, great baseball journalist. So I appreciated him coming on to talk about this. He's been on this story from the very beginning. He's actually down at the meetings right now. Yeah, we talked while he was sitting in a parking lot waiting for the uh, meeting to adjourn. The meeting today is over. They did uh, get a, I don't know if you want to say a little closer on some of the figures, uh, one of them being the arbitration pool. But I'm going to dive into that here in a little bit and give you uh, Evan's takes on where the negotiations stand. I thought he was fantastic. Gives you guys a little bit of an insight on what is expected here. I, I Look, I... I'm very hopeful that the season will start on time, but for that to happen, they need to get things locked up here probably in the next week, but they're still pretty far apart on stuff, so we dive into that. Also, after uh, Evan's interview, I I do want to touch on the NBA. The All-Star Game was this past weekend, and besides the halftime ceremony, the rest of it was a complete, utter joke and a waste of time. What has happened to the NBA? Like The NBA used to be so good. Now it's nearly unwatchable. And uh, that is uh, that is very unfortunate. So we will dive into those topics. But uh, as for me, had a good weekend. This weekend I actually went and covered the uh, high school wrestling state tournament over at the Berry Center up in Cyprus. I got to tell you, man, each of these state tournaments is unique in its own way. But, boy, these wrestling fans are really passionate about what they got going on. I, I mean, I showed up at about 2.30, got my position and you, you had to shoot on the floor on the mat, so you got to be really, really close to these competitors. And, boy, they go at it, man. I, I've never really understood the appeal of the sport in general. Maybe that's on me. Uh, maybe I need to adjust on that. But you know, from an outsider's perspective, I never really gravitated towards wrestling in that form. Yeah, I watched, like, the entertainment wrestling, WWE and all that stuff. But, the uh, you know, the Greco-Roman wrestling, the old-school type wrestling that they do in high schools and at, at the Olympics – that sort of wrestling, I've never really gotten into it. But, man, you, you get a whole new appreciation for it when you're really up close and, and personal with some of that stuff. You know, a lot of passion. The parents are literally right behind you screaming. And 
Uh, so shout out to all those uh, all those champions this past weekend, even those that finished in the top six, seven. Hey, if you went out there and you made it to state, good on you, man. Uh, but uh, we had some competitors win for a third time. College Park, her name was Olivia DiGiorgio. So congratulations to her. Three straight state championships. So, hey, it was kind of cool to see that. Uh, perspective get to get up close and personal on a new with a new sport that was uh, that was interesting as far as anything else going on in my weekend I uh, I don't know I, I I don't know if I did anything else this weekend but um, it was it was kind of chill backs feeling a lot better which is nice um, for me is if, if you if if I get to hear my pop start my my pop my back start popping. When I wake up in the morning, that that means things are getting better. But ever since my trip to Disney World, it's been kind of a recovery mode. I worked out once last week. Bad idea. That kind of set me back. But I'm feeling better this week. And I think I'm going to try out something called Nine Rounds. Uh, they, you, you've seen them around um, the city. It's a chain. They, you know, Austin, everywhere. You see them everywhere. I kind of want to incorporate some boxing into my workout. I think I've mentioned that before on this podcast. But I, I think that's where I'm going to this week try it out see what it's all about uh i stopped by one of the uh, local spots out there in katie and looked kind of appealing to me I, I, so well i'll give you an update on that later in the week if i decide to go try that out in the middle of the week i'm probably gonna be sore as all heck but uh gotta do something man i mean my beach trip's coming up this this summer i, I gotta get back to it it's just frustrating man last week i was so frustrated i couldn't get to do my my workout routine it's just sometimes you wake up and you're in so much pain, and I know some of you folks are dealing with that too at home. And uh, for me, that's kind of an ongoing struggle. I always kind of want to work through that stuff, but you got to be patient with it. And I just can't be patient. It's like an athlete going through rehab; they just really want to get out there, and and uh, it it takes some time. Now, I'm not comparing myself to an elite athlete. Don't get me wrong there, but anybody that wants to get back to their original form and going through some sort of rehab or dealing with injuries, it's frustrating, man. I've got to see that first hand um over the last week and a half and really the last couple of years as i deal with this back thing okay enough about me let's get into the baseball lockout so promising at least for the two sides to be meeting uh they swapped proposals last week and they're scheduled to meet several times this week uh the mlb players union is down there max scherzer part of the group that's uh negotiating with the players union and the owners down in jupiter and um, look, hey, without further ado, let's get right into my interview with Evan Drellick of The Athletic. We talk about all sorts of topics, about what he thinks about the prospects of a full season. I, I was very optimistic about this before. I, w- I-, I always tell everybody that I thought spring training would be shortened, which is fine. It's not a huge deal. They still need about a month to go, and we're reaching that deadline. It's, a- it's-, it's supposed to be about February 28th. And Evan and I talk about that and a whole lot more, especially some of the details, some of the minutia in these negotiations, what exactly these two sides are fighting over. Basically, the bottom line is each side wants more money, and there's a lot of money to be had in these talks with Major League Baseball, America's pastime. Here's Evan. Evan, good to talk to you. You've been all over this since the very beginning. What is the state of the negotiations and the state of the lockout as we sit right now? Right now, at this very moment, uh, the sides are talking. Uh, they took a break, which is a good sign because they don't always take breaks. Sometimes when they walk out of a meeting, that's the end of the day. So it means they're going to keep uh, going after it right now. Um, look, they're far apart. They've got a lot of work to do. Uh, the, the hope is that they have meetings basically throughout this week. It's not a guarantee that they'll keep meeting throughout this week, but 
uh, you know, we're in Jupiter, Florida, the Cardinals, uh, Marlins spring complex. And uh, you have about 10 players here in the leadership of the MLBPA and uh, at least one owner and the top negotiators for the league. Is this going better or worse than some in these negotiations that you've talked to expected? At times, I think it's been worse. It's, it's been expressed to me that way, but it, I think really it's been as expected. I, I, I'm not too surprised we are where we are. You know, this has been a buildup of years of the players expressing unhappiness. And you know, when you think about what's at stake in terms of uh, the different elements of a collective bargaining agreement, you know, there's hundreds of millions of dollars on the line. And when you're talking about potentially giving up hundreds of millions of dollars, if you're the owners uh, and trying to acquire that money, if you're the players, you know, you're, you're going to be willing to go to certain lengths and you're probably not going to do it easily. And so the fact that we're at a point where the regular season is threatened, where spring training is delayed, this, this is a, a turning point, I think, in the history of baseball. There hasn't been a work stoppage in 25 years. I wouldn't expect this one to have gotten resolved quickly or easily. So you're reporting and others have reported that, you know, if the season wants to start on time, I think what February 28th is the target date uh, because that allows what three to four weeks to get ready and practices some games and then get going. Is that kind of the still target date or what, uh, what are you hearing there? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of uh, intuitive math. So MLB has told the players that they think February 28th is the day a deal needs to be reached so that the season can start on time. I think realistically, if they were to reach a deal within a few days of that, you know, the first week of March, they could probably still do it. Uh, but the commissioner has said about four weeks for spring training is what they're looking at. If they had about three weeks in 2020 when they restarted from the pandemic. And I think everybody felt that was a little too little. But pitchers in particular, you, you want to get to four weeks if you can. And so opening day is scheduled for March 31st. So you just start working backwards. You know, how, how many days... Um, do you need at that point? So if you get something done in the first week of March, probably you can still start the regular season on time. Uh, you know, but it's really up to the sides. You know, they, they, they could decide to do a shorter spring training if they wanted to. I don't think they want to do that, though. So somewhere the end of February, the first week of March, if there isn't a deal then, the regular season's probably not starting on time. So there are a lot of issues that there are, uh, that there are a part on. I, I wrote down a few, you know, luxury tax thresholds, revenue sharing, allegations of service time manipulation, increase in salary arbitration, eligibility. Like there's a lot, you start getting into the weeds of things that these two sides are really far apart on, playoff, uh, number of teams in the playoffs. What do you think priority-wise for each side, where, where do these items uh, stand on this list? You know, not to be too flippant about it, but it's money. It, you can attach dollar signs, and they have economists to do this, to, to all those types of things, right? So the luxury tax, the competitive balance tax, and, and where it sits, you know, if you move it from $210 million to $230 million, they, they calculate, both sides do, uh, how much money that moves in the player's direction over the course of a five-year collective bargaining agreement. And so, yeah, it, kind of unsurprisingly, the, uh, the biggest hurdles here are all the issues that deal with core economics so that's the league minimum where the players have asked for uh, a starting salary around seven hundred seventy-five thousand uh, dollars. the league is countered with below 600 it's a couple different proposals the league has made on that front uh, you know you, you kind of pick the category of big dollar topics and the gap is still large and 
kind of the thing to watch for as, as this moves on is, do you start to hear positive things about them closing the gap on any of these specific issues? Uh, they're they're going to start paying players who haven't yet reached arbitration. So guys in their first, mostly their first three years in the big leagues, uh, they're going to start giving them a bonus uh, if they perform well, a bonus pool, they're calling it. The league has proposed $15 million to that bonus pool. The players are proposed now $115 million. So there's literally a $100 million gap. Wow. Uh, between the, that, between, that between the sides lot. on that. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And, um, you know, the, so the thing to watch for is, well, do they start to zero in on, on uh, do they start to make progress where uh, you're hearing and seeing those numbers come closer together? How is the atmosphere for these negotiations? You know, anytime you, you enter collective bargaining negotiations or you're talking a lot of money, I mean, heck, even just like business to business. I mean, the, the, you always kind of analyze the environment in which the negotiations are happening in, right? Uh, if it's if they're in good faith, if both sides want to get to a resolution. How do you how do you judge the atmosphere in, the, in which these negotiations are happening right now? Um, look, it's been tense. I think there's been frustration, but I, I don't think that's surprising. You know, these are two self-interested parties, and this is kind of what's supposed to happen. I, you know, I think it is the case that sometimes in baseball, the labor relations can be strained to the point that it's uh, unproductive. But, you know, people will complain about how poorly these sides get along. Typically, management and labor groups aren't supposed to uh, always live in perpetual harmony. And again, you haven't had this in a quarter century. In baseball, you know, they've avoided a work stoppage and um, it, it's kind of what the system is designed to do is to have a correction in one direction or another or the opportunity for one side to argue for a correction, whichever side that is. Um, so, you know, it's tense. There's frustration. You know, players certainly think the owners aren't moving. The owners suggest the players aren't moving. But the way negotiations often work, it takes until a calendar forces something. It takes until the last minute, and that's what you're seeing play out. I read that um, the you know so the, the players' side feels like they were they've been getting their counter proposals in a little bit quicker than the owners have been returning theirs. Uh, I guess that's all part of negotiations too, right? Did you uh, kind of hear the same thing on that? Oh yeah, yeah. Look, you get accusations going back and forth on on those <laughs> types of things, and you can put you can point to, to different things on both sides, right? The amount of time it takes one side to respond. Um, you know, the players, if you go back to last year, the players made their first core economics proposals in April and May. And if I'm remembering right, the owners didn't make their first one until I believe it was August, if I'm not screwing up my dates here. You know, so there have been large gaps of time. You know, the lockout starts. Rob Manford says, uh, you know, he's doing this to kind of hasten the process. Well, how many offers has MLB made? It's not like they were making offers with any, uh, you know, rapid pace. But at the same time, it, it goes back to that point on the calendar. When you're entrenched in your position, you're not going to move off that position unless yeah. something kind of forces you to do it. And, you know, if you think back to December, what was going to force them? You know, spring training wasn't around the corner. But now that you're starting to see the threat of losing games, people are going to start to get closer to their bottom line offers. How damaging could a work stoppage be, lengthy work stoppage be for the game of baseball at this moment, you think? I think there's it's a two-part answer, Okay. This is a different entertainment environment than 1994, 1995, the last time you had a strike. And that strike was devastating. Uh, but, you know, I think realistically, you could argue that baseball at that time, there, there just weren't as many entertainment options. You didn't have cell phones. I, I talked to the commissioner a couple of years ago uh, about kind of the health of the sport, and he held up his cell phone for me and pointed to it and said, this, this is a problem. What he's talking about is the fact that you can get whatever you want 
uh, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, right? Anything you want for entertainment, you can get on your phone now. Um, and so that's a threat to any entertainment product. And it's a, it's a reality of the environment that, you know, base, baseball, basketball, football, any sport, you're competing with more things now. Okay. So th that makes it tough. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, if baseball does seem to be a little uh, recession proof and, and that's maybe the case only until it isn't, I'm, I'm not saying baseball yeah. lives forever, but at this point, uh, people are always there. I mean, look, I'm standing outside of a parking lot right now and you've got fans who want autographs and who are, we're talking about how much they just miss baseball. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so the interest in baseball is always going to be there uh, to some degree. The question is how much do you lose if you miss games? And yeah, I don't think it would be good for the sport to lose a significant amount of time. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose a few games though. Yeah, that's my final question to you. Uh, put your prediction hat on. I'm sure you get this question a lot. Um, and I do too, by the way. Uh, I, I, at the negotiations where they stand right now, what, what do you think we're looking at here? We're going to lose probably the first half of the first month or into May? What, what do you think? I think anywhere in there is, is perfectly uh, plausible. You know, Again, when you have this kind of buildup for years and you have hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe you could even argue maybe it, it crosses over to billions, depending on um, how you calculate it. And I'm not an economist, which I was. Um, when you have this, you know, and, and, and there's one other element here, which is that you're kind of influencing the future, not only this collective bargaining agreement, but others. You know, if the owners effectively win here, does that crush or temper the spirit of the players going forward? You know, it, it, it's a little bit of a question of is the players union, which has always historically been the strongest in sports and, and many say one of the strongest in the country, still that union. Can they, can they still fight for these things and, and fight for them successfully? So there's a lot on the line here pride. is what I'm trying to Sounds say. Sounds like pride and when is on there's the a, line. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's pride and, and, and really kind of just, um, I think it is a turning point in the economics of the game and the, and the history of the game. And when you, so when you put all that together, what's a few games in April? What's even maybe a few games in May? You know, so I, it, it just, I wouldn't be surprised if you miss a lot of games here. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, and hopefully things get resolved soon. We see baseball back on the field. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Evan, uh, for that. Always nice to talk to you. As I respect his work a lot. I, I got to know Evan uh, when we were covering Biggio's Hall of Fame induction back in 2015. So we talked a lot back then, and uh, it's nice to see him have some success. I know some Astros fans might not be too happy with him, and there were probably some in the front office in the Astros organization that weren't too happy with him, but he's a great reporter. He, uh, he broke a lot of those stories about the sign-stealing scandal, and um, uh, he, that, that's good stuff. So give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't done so already. Evan Drellick, he's a good dude. All right, switching gears, let's talk NBA uh, basketball on the All-Star Weekend. So it was NBA All-Star Weekend, and, you know, I guess it's me getting older and having my attention span a little shorter and, you know, my attention being drawn to other places, but... Boy, I, I really did not care about what happened during the All-Star weekend. Like, it, And it's not because, you know, I just don't like the NBA, which is part of it. And I'll get into that in a second. But, like, you know, All-Star weekend used to have an impact, right? Like, maybe it's because there are too many s sources of entertainment. You know, Evan was talking about that in the interview, right? 
That's one of the concerns that Major League Baseball and really all sports leagues have. There are so many sources of entertainment that people can be distracted by. And maybe that's it, right? It doesn't have the appeal as before, but I really do think it's about the quality. Like, I didn't care at all about what happened this weekend. The one thing that was awesome, though, and I didn't realize it was happening because I didn't pay too much attention to what was going on uh, leading into it, was that the fact that they honored the uh, top 75 players in NBA history. Now, you can argue which guys didn't belong on that list. Uh, There are some that didn't belong. I, I, for one, you could probably find somebody better than James Harden. I know he's an MVP, but... I've got my issues with James Harden. You guys all know that. So that was really cool to see all those greats get together and talk with one another. And, of course, we saw Michael Jordan make a rare public appearance. He was there in Cleveland. So that was all awesome. But it made me think about just how worthless the NBA has become. Like, what happened to the NBA? The product overall is just not very good. I mean, I try. I mean, I've tried to watch games and, you know, I watch Rockets games to see what's going on with the team. But, boy, it's just it's a hard watch. It's not enjoyable. There's they're running up and down the floor. Defense is hit or miss. These teams are scoring like 120, 130 points. And really, it depends on like it's not that the defense is playing well. And maybe that's just because regular season basketball gets a little bit better in the playoffs. But I mean, teams will won't get to 100 points if they don't shoot very well, right? But that's kind of on their own accord. It's not what the other team is doing. You see what I mean? It's 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 really become unwatchable, and um, I, it's a shame because man, I love those glory days of the NBA. Even like in the Kobe Bryant era, it, it was it was good. Early LeBron James, I don't even like LeBron James. Uh, I think he's a great player, but uh, you know, as you know, some of the things that he stands for and all that, I, I just completely disagree with, and the way he's gone about things. So I don't even like LeBron James, but. Um, I just, maybe it was for me, I guess I was turned off to maybe some of the politics that happened. They brought in a lot of politics and I'm not picking sides one way or the other. I just don't like to see politics involved in sports. I just want to tune in and watch sports. And so they, they went through a lot of political stuff and then the ratings collapsed and then now they've kind of backed off on some of that stuff. And then the whole China thing happened when they got on Daryl Morey. A lot of people got on Daryl Morey, LeBron being one of them, for praising uh, democracy in Hong Kong. I mean, I, I feel like that's something we we should all stand for, but the league didn't really back him up. So that kind of turned me off, too. And then just the overall product is just not very good. I, I, don't, I just don't think the product is very good, which makes me kind of sad. So I see players like Michael and... You know, even Hakeem, Clyde Drexler, Shaq, Charles Barkley, all those guys that when I was growing up, those are the guys that I kind of looked up to sports-wise. And we're like, oh, man, those guys were awesome. But, the, yeah, maybe it was a product of me being a kid looking up at it and thinking that those guys were next level and uh, they were my sports heroes at the time. But And then maybe my old age, I kind of analyzed things a little bit differently. But I just think the product overall, and I posted something on Facebook, a lot of people agreed with me, I just don't think the product is very good. It's 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 hard to watch, and the playoffs do get better, which which is fine. But by that point, once the playoffs start, it's baseball season, and so I don't really care about the the NBA playoffs. I'm like full in on baseball regular season. Um, so that that kind of made me sad watching the All Star game yesterday. But seeing all those legends put it all into context for me. I'm like, man, this game has really really fallen apart, and that's kind of sad for me. All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, You can listen. 
All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to Evan Drellick for coming on. Later on in the week, hopefully I will have that interview with uh, Kellen Sampson, U of H assistant coach. I talked to him a few weeks back, and I will hopefully get that interview up. Big win over Wichita State for the Cougs uh, over the weekend, so that was huge for them as they look to kind of climb back up the rankings. People are asking me what I think about the Cougs in March. I think U of H is that type of team. The way they play, the style of play, they will outwork anybody that they play. And it all depends on matchups uh, and who they face, but they're going to outwork that team. They they may not have the same skill level as the team they'll, they will face in the tournament once they get into the Sweet 16, Elite 8 type stuff, but they will outwork that team as best as they can, rebounding defense, and they're going to make life a living hell for the team that they face. So I think the way they play gives them the opportunity to advance. That's what I've... I've been telling folks, so I'm looking forward to March Madness. I think that's going to be awesome to see the Cougs and see what they do. Uh, So, yes, hopefully I will have that interview with Kellen Sampson later on in the week. But until then, I will uh, have a good week. Hopefully have a good week. I hope you guys have a good week, too. Until then, see you.